Let me pray for us. Lord, we ask that you would help our hearts to be calm for a few minutes before you um, so that we could hear your voice speaking to us in the scriptures. Um, Not because this is a familiar routine, not because this is traditional wisdom, but because you are a God who wants to share life and love with us. And so you have spoken to us in ways that we can understand. And we need the gifts of life and love that you offer. And therefore we need each word that has been written by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and that is now driven home by his power through the resurrected Christ today in our presence, in our midst. My voice is not the only one speaking. It's not the important one speaking. The Spirit speaks by and with the Scriptures. Help us to listen and change us, we pray. Amen. Today we're starting a new series called Feelings Transformed. I'm talking about how God's goodness reshapes our emotions, our emotional life. Why this topic and why, why are we going to use the Psalms for the next several weeks uh, to explore this topic? Well, we, we just said in our prayer that God offers us life and love. He makes himself known to us and the, the way that we're meant to respond as human, human beings to that gracious offer is by loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything that we are, our whole self. And our emotions are part of our whole self. If we're going to love God with all that we are, then we've got to learn what it means to love him with our emotions. The Psalms are songs. They are poetry set to music. And in every culture, poetry and music are meant to evoke emotions and to engage us in in a way that other forms of communication don't always. So the Psalms give us a clear vision of what it looks like to love God with our emotional life. Um, So we spent some time exploring that. Today we're going to begin with a particular psalm. It's Psalm 89. Why this psalm? Well, it captures a story that demands powerful emotions. You are not meant to read this psalm and to experience the story it's telling and and be unmoved. Uh, The word emotion is related to the word motion, movement, right? You are meant to be moved at a deep level by the story God is telling And Psalm 89 tells it in a particularly uh, powerful way. It starts with, it's a story about God's love and his steadfast love and faithfulness. The first four verses of Psalm 89 start right there. And uh, and then the next chapter in the story, the the next verses, talk about how God has made an unbreakable promise to his firstborn. His firstborn what? His firstborn son a leader, a king, who would lead his people into peace and prosperity. And this promise can't be broken. The promise was first made to King David. And 
And God says, I will keep that promise, David, to you and your descendants. One of your descendants will always be on the throne. I will use you to lead my people into life and love forever, and I will never break this promise. So just a few snippets from that chapter of the story as the psalm. It's 52 verses. We're not going to read all of them. But, but listen, here's, here's God saying, verse 27, I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. Like that's meant to move you in a deep way. Security, peace, God. Oh. The story keeps going. And, and God says, you know what, David, even, even if, if the children of, of the kings in your line forsake my law, this is verse 30, and don't walk according to my rules, if they violate, violate my statutes and don't keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes but I will not remove from him my firstborn, my steadfast love. And then something happens. A new chapter begins in the story. Something happens that changes everything. We're going to pick up with that part of the psalm now as Stacy comes to read for us. This morning's scripture reading is selections from Psalm 89. <clears throat> but now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have also turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Salah, how long, O oh Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, O oh Lord, how your servants are mocked and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations with which your enemies mock, O oh Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a song, and uh, I was thinking all week, about how, how, do you, how do you help people capture what's happening in this song, especially when we're just reading it. We're not actually hearing the musical accompaniment that goes with it. And, and I, I just couldn't help but think, you know, I, I'm a child of the 80s. This psalm is Bon Jovi meets Metallica, <laughs> right? Can I, can I remind you, take you back a bit? Um, anybody remember these guys? Bon Jovi, right? 
and um, you see the big hair, right? Um, and, and we would have fights like, is this, are these guys heavy metal or no, they're hair metal. They're not real. They're not real heavy metal music, right? They're too hopeful. They're too sappy and sentimental. And they sing about positive things like love. And um, so here's, I'll be there for you. And we're going to hear a clip. Let's listen now. Yeah. Yeah, so just imagine, you know, imagine me and 50 other men in the room with mullets <laughs> doing that. It was a painful time. But, but think about how that music is meant to move your emotions, right? It, it's all moving upward. There's, all, there's this energy that builds through the song. It, it, it's, meant to, it's meant to make you hopeful. It's meant to make you believe that the man singing this song to his beloved is full of sincerity. And when he says, I will be there for you forever, he means it. Right? You're, you're meant to feel that deep down in your bones. There's a little bit of nostalgia there, you know, if you're remembering back to high school days. Or if you're, you know, a young person now who likes to listen to some vintage music once in a while. There's this little feeling of, yeah, those were the good old days. Um, and, and everything was sweet. And we sang all these love anthems about unbreakable promises. That's what Psalm 89 is meant to do for you. Is to go, do you, do you remember the days of old when God said to King David, his anointed, his Messiah, his firstborn, I will use you to bring shalom, peace into this world and it will endure forever and I, have, I will never lie to you. And that's the song we're singing. And then some guys walk in and they say, Bon Jovi, that's not real heavy metal. Those guys are just, they don't live in a real world. The real world isn't like this. The real world isn't a world where people make promises and keep them. The real world isn't a place where every hair is held, you know, in perfect photographic position by tons of hairspray. The real world is like this. The real world is hopeless and despairing and every promise has been broken. And you Bon Jovi guys are just living in a cloud somewhere. And the cynics walk in the room and say, this is what the world's really like. And we're going to listen to this and you're not going to like it. Some of you are going to be like, I've never heard sounds like that in a worship service before. And some of you are like, is it too late to send my kids out to children's worship? Because I'm not sure I want them listening to, but we're going to, let's listen. Right? That's, it's not moving anywhere. Do you hear it? It's not going up. The music isn't moving you anywhere. The music, is, the music is stuck right here. We're not going up. We're not moving ahead. 
we are stuck right here. And we're just going to pound it again and again and again and say, I am in prison and I have lost everything. And this is what the whole world is like. And, you know, if, if you can take it, listen to the entire song. What's that music meant to do to your soul? What's it meant to do to your emotions? If you listen to that and you think that's unpleasant, yeah, it's meant to make you feel that way. If, if, you, if you think the, the people who wrote this song and are singing this song are full of anguish and they want me to be drawn into their anguish, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hopelessness, this sense of being bewildered. Psalm 89 is these guys singing that song. Psalm 89 is going, you know what? We remember those days when God said he would never break his promise to bring peace and wholeness and life and love into the world through his firstborn, his Messiah. But we're living in an age when all that hope is gone. What happened? What happened? Well, Psalm 89 is telling a story. It's God's story about his firstborn. And God tells this story about his firstborn for his people. And it's a story that demands powerful emotions. Now, by the time Psalm 89 is written, something drastic has occurred. People debate what that might have been, but something clearly has occurred uh, to the Davidic line of kings so that all of, all of his walls are breached, verse 40 says. Some kind of military attack that has laid all the strongholds in ruin. Uh, maybe that's the Babylonian conquest in the year 586 B.C. that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. And um, it's hard to know exactly what it was, but it was something that caused people to have this powerful response of hopelessness after days of promised glory. Let's explore this a little bit. We'll start here. God's telling this story about his firstborn for his people. It demands powerful emotions, and emotions are a critical part of the story. Now, we want to be um, thoughtful folks who say, what, what is it exactly we're talking about? If we're going to talk about emotions for several weeks, we need to say what it is we're talking about.
because it's through, throughout human reality, because it is the story of Jesus, you see this shape, this pattern. We begin with, with hopes and promises. God says at the baptism of Jesus, this is my son whom I love. He is the word made flesh. Jesus says, I am the Messiah and I have come to bring the kingdom. And then everything changes and the story just goes straight downhill. He is rejected. He is crucified. He dies the death of a covenant breaker under God's curse. The firstborn in whom we had so many great hopes has been forsaken by his own father. That's not the end of the story. Like the final chapter of Jesus' story is that somehow everything changes again. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus and fills him with all of the life-giving power and energy that the Spirit has and brings Jesus back to this state of life that is perfect in every way, physically, emotionally, relationally. The, the, the fellowship between the Father and the Son is perfectly restored forever. And then what does Jesus do with this great gift of life received from the Holy Spirit? He pours it out on all of his people. And we've gone through this amazing sort of hopeful start, powerful joy expectation and promise for the future. And then we've swung down to the depths of despair and agony and anguish. And then the story of Jesus takes us back up to even higher heights than where we started. And if you want to know why as a human being you go through so many emotional swings in a day or a week or a month or a year or a lifetime, the reason is because the story of Jesus is the story of the human race. Jesus lived that story. So you're going to experience things like that too. First, by virtue of simply being human. And he is God stepping into humanity. And then second, if you are the kind of human who has put your trust in him and you are united to him, then even more powerfully his story has become yours. And you will experience moments of peace and promise and anticipation and moments of despair and crushing agony and anguish. And then you will experience the great relief that comes when somebody turns off the Metallica and says, you know, can we, can we play some Bon Jovi again? I tell you what, let's play something even better. Jesus will come back one day and complete your story. And the final chapter is, is everybody who's put their trust in him getting to share in the glory and the joy that he's experiencing right now. His story is the whole story. You see it reflected throughout the whole of Scripture. That's why you see this pattern in Psalm 89. It's why you see it in the shape of the whole of the Bible. It's why you see this pattern in your own life. The story of Jesus is the story of humanity and of God's steadfast love that says, 
I will, I will forsake my own firstborn to redeem you so that you can enjoy life and love forever. It's a powerful story. We're meant to respond to it with all that we are. Heart, soul, mind, strength, emotions, and everything else. Um, are you finding that wholeness in Jesus? Have you joined your story to his? Have you joined your story to his but forgotten it? I need to reclaim it. Ah, yeah. This is God's plan to redeem not just the human race in some generic way, but me. I want to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength.